Section 20 of Henry II by Louis Francis Saltzman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 10. Finance. Part 2. By feudal custom, Henry was entitled to call for an aid from his military tenants on the occasion of his eldest daughter's marriage, and in 1168 he availed himself of this right, stretching his demands to include many persons outside the military classes to whose contributions he had no just claim. The similar feudal aid for the knighting of his eldest son was never raised, as the young king was knighted at the time when he was in opposition to his father. Finally, in time of war, the king could call for scutage, a monetary composition in lieu of personal service with the army. The amounts demanded for scutage varied from one to two marks for the knight's fee, the larger sum being exactly equivalent to the wages of a knight or man-at-arms for forty days, the period for which the tenant of a knight's fee was bound to serve. Scutage was called for in 1156 for the war with Geoffrey of Anjou, in 1159 for the Toulouse fiasco, when £2,440 is said to have been paid, implying the commutation of the personal service due from 1830 knights. In 1161 and 1162 for war with France, in 1172 for the Irish expedition, and finally, in 1175, for the projected expedition to Galloway. Whether the assessment for the army in Wales raised in 1165 should be considered as a skewage is questionable. It appears to have been more of an irregular aid. How far the exchequer officials of the period indulged in anticipatory estimates of revenue, framing their simple and elastic budgets thereon, cannot be said. Possibly the half-yearly provisional accounts rendered by the sheriffs at Easter enabled them to foresee whether additional taxation would be required to bring the revenue up to the required amount by Michaelmas. Possibly, on the other hand, extra taxation was put on whenever the balance in the treasury seemed to be getting low. But however this may have been, the annual revenue was kept by one means or another at a pretty constant level. Sir James Ramsay gives the totals alike for 1159, in which year nearly £8,000 were raised by skewage and aids, and for 1169, when no extra taxation was levied, as approximately £20,000. In 1176, the sum actually paid into the Treasury was £14,250, while something like £1,750 had been spent by the accountants on the king's behalf, giving a total of £16,000. To this have to be added the enormous sums extorted for breach of the forest law. The total of the fines inflicted on this score was £13,450. The new forest accounting for over £2,000, and the forests of Yorkshire £1,600. Bedfordshire and Buckinghamshire, Wiltshire, Dorset, and Somerset, and Oxfordshire being all above £1,000. But considerably less than half the sum demanded was paid at the time, and the total for the year may be estimated as between £5,000 and £6,000, bringing the revenue up to rather over £21,000. The money collected by the sheriffs and other officials 
was accounted for every year at Michaelmas at the court of the Exchequer. The Exchequer, Scaccarium, derived its name from the great table covered with a black checkered cloth, on which the revenue accounts were set out by means of counters. It must be borne in mind that ability to read and write, though not yet considered as in itself entitling the possessor to privilege of clergy, was so far peculiar to the clergy that a large proportion of the lay sheriffs would have been unable to keep or to understand written accounts. Even for those more learned, the difficulty of working out complicated sums in Roman numerals must have been considerable, and indeed it is comparatively rare to find any lengthy medieval account on which the sums of the items correspond throughout accurately with the totals given. At the treasury courts, therefore, of England and Normandy, and possibly elsewhere, an elaboration of the abacus or calculating board was introduced. This consisted of a table ten feet long by five feet wide, covered with a black cloth on which were drawn seven vertical columns, representing from left to right pence, shillings, pounds, tens, hundreds, thousands, and tens of thousands of pounds. These columns in turn were divided by horizontal lines dividing the cloth into a series of squares like those on a chessboard. Within these squares the accounts were set out with counters. At the Michaelmas session the Chancellor, Treasurer, and other officials with their clerks sat round three sides of the table, while on the other side was the calculating clerk with his counters, and near him the sheriff, who may be regarded as his opponent in the game. Along one line the calculator set out the amounts due from the accounting sheriff, and below it he gradually built up the sheriff's account, beginning with the money paid in in cash, and adding item by item the sums expended, for which the sheriff produced either the king's writs or tallies, the sheriff's object being to make the two accounts balance. Footnote. The tally, the precursor of the counterfoil, was a wooden stick on the edge of which the sum paid was indicated by a series of cuts or notches, the various sizes of which indicated definite sums. The stick being split parallel to its face, each party to the payment retained one portion, with its edge thus significantly notched, and the genuineness of either portion could at once be proved by putting the two together, when the notches would be found to tally. End footnote in this manner by ocular demonstration a long and complicated account could be easily followed while for permanent record all the items were entered upon their rolls by the clerks of the chancellor and treasurer the only coin in circulation in england at this time was the silver penny and although sums of twelve one hundred and sixty and two hundred and forty pence were spoken of as shillings marks and pounds for convenience of calculation, such units had no tangible existence, and all money payments were made in pence. Although the money issued during Stephen's reign was poorly executed, such coins as have survived do not bear out the chronicler's assertions that it was debased. But it is probable that the total amount of coin in circulation was small, and that a considerable proportion of it was forged. In any case, 
henry had issued a new coinage in eleven fifty six but the moneyers appear to have not infrequently debased the silver or made illegal profits in other ways and in eleven fifty eight many of them had to stand their trial by the ordeal of water and several only escaped mutilation by the payment of heavy fines twenty years later in eleven seventy seven we find what looks like an organized conspiracy of fraud amongst the canterbury moneyers five of their number being fined between them twenty five hundred marks at last in eleven eighty henry entrusted the reorganization of the coinage to a foreigner philip amary who did his work very well but so manipulated the business to his own profit that he was banished in disgrace this coinage although possessing no particular artistic merit was technically a great advance on its predecessor and was so well appreciated that it continued to be struck with hardly noticeable variations under richard and john and well into the reign of henry the third as a result of forgery fraud and the inevitable loss of weight during circulation the two hundred and forty pence which constituted the nominal pound by tail or by number rarely corresponded to the standard pound by weight and as many of the sheriff's county forms were due in blanched money that is to say in pounds of standard fineness and weight it was necessary to test the money paid in to begin with pence to the value of forty-four shillings was counted out from the mass of money paid in by the sheriff whose account was under examination twenty shillings of this was then melted down in a crucible and purified by fire the resulting ingot was next weighed against the standard pound and pence added from the selected money to bring it up to weight the number of pence required for this purpose having been noted the sheriff was charged on all blanche sums due that number of pence in addition to each pound by tail when we pass to the consideration of the relative value and purchasing power of money in the middle of the twelfth century as compared with the present time we are met by many complications the average price of an ox or cow during this reign was from three shillings to four shillings occasionally rising as high as five shillings farm horses fetched three shillings but military chargers cost three pounds or more sheep ranged from fourpence to sixpence and young pigs were about the same but when full-grown they fetched as much as a shilling a penny a day was the recognized wage for a sergeant or private soldier and eightpence a day for a man-at-arms the master of the royal yacht received a shilling the clerk of the household two shillings and the chancellor five shillings a day probably we may take the money of that date as roughly equivalent to twenty-five times the amount in modern currency so far as the expenditure of the crown is concerned we labour under considerable difficulties having no records of the nature of the liberate and issue rolls of later reigns the only items of expenditure which have come down to us are such as have been entered upon the pipe rolls as discharged by the sheriffs and other officers out of the issues of their offices the heaviest of these expenses were incurred in connection with building and especially in the repair and enlargement of the royal castles the rebuilding of scarborough has already been spoken of 
and amongst the scores of entries of work done on castles may be mentioned the one thousand pounds spent on oxford in eleven sixty six and eleven sixty seven a sum which is however insignificant besides the four thousand three hundred and fifty pounds spent on dover castle between eleven eighty two and eleven eighty seven as much as twelve hundred and forty eight pounds being spent in the one year eleven eighty five nottingham which appears to have been one of the most habitable of the castles accounted for four hundred and fifty pounds in eleven seventy two and for over three hundred pounds in eleven seventy five large sums were also spent on the king's hunting seats such as woodstock clipston and especially clarendon for the adornment of clarendon there were provided in eleven seventy seven marble columns probably shafts of dark marble similar to those the introduction of which by st hugh in his new work at lincoln so struck contemporary writers but numerous as are the entries of building expenses they can represent but part of the sums laid out by henry on such operations nor do we hear anything of the cost of the army or of the upkeep of the royal household though we know from the existing list of salaries that this last item must have amounted to about fifteen hundred pounds a year whatever were his expenses henry contrived to amass a great fortune which his successor richard found little difficulty in dissipating end of section twenty